I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Blake Topmeyer is the SEC columnist for the USA Today Sports Network. Here he is working the commercial appeal. You can follow him on Twitter on X. At B. Topmeyer, his podcast, SEC Football Unfiltered, available each and every week. Blake, I guess let's start here. What the heck is actually going on with the playoff? Because it feels like we've got a tremendous amount of people working their own sources. You hear optimism. You hear stories of maybe the Big Ten and the SEC will start to break away. I just kind of decided, like, I think everybody's just negotiating through the media, but I can't actually, like, sort through it. And actually, I've realized this. I don't really care right now. Yeah, well, I think the, the last thing you just said there speaks to the heart of a lot of fans, right? I mean, like, just wake me up whenever you – it's kind of a lot like realignment. Like, I've gotten to the point with realignment. It's just, all right, just wake me up when it ends. Like, when, when you're finally done, let me know. I think so, and I think the playoff even more so. Like in realignment, you know, if it's your school that maybe is on the move, I think you probably still care to a certain extent now. From a big picture, maybe it's wake me up when it's over. But certainly with this playoff, I mean, when we're talking about 14-team playoff formats, uh, that's the 3 plus 3 plus 2 plus 2 plus 1 plus 3 AL format, uh, which is one of the formats under discussion, it's like, I mean, what are we doing here, right? Uh, I mean, it's going to take an advanced degree for people to figure out uh, how their favorite team gets into the playoff, how this works, and to follow along with every step of it. Um, I mean, even even for folks like you and I who are paid to follow along with this, like it really is exhausting. Um, I think it's probably very trying on the fans, and, and it's just another case of, um, to me, you got ten conference commissioners plus the Notre Dame athletic director, like they are trying their hardest to try to exhaust fans, to try to make fans not like college sports anymore. And and to this point, they're failing. Fans still like college sports, but it's like, guys, you keep trying. One of these days people are going to wake up and say, I'm about sick of college sports. I'm about sick of all this nonsense. And they're, and they're trying really hard. They're, they're, they're giving it their darndest. Well, I think it's an interesting point here because I think what has been proven is we like the games. Like the numbers, the numbers for college football were up. I presume when we see the NCAA tournament numbers, they're going to be strong again. We like the games, but where I do think they're just completely blind to all of this, they're arguing over money. They can spin it however they want, but like they they clearly are arguing over what portion of the money that they're getting, and they're trying to mask it behind team, the number of teams and and whatnot, and they're using all these buzzwords. But it's very clear they're just arguing over money. And what they're failing to recognize is, you know the number one way you turn off sports fans? You, you get into these disputes over money. Like, you see, we're seeing it now with the PGA Tour. Like, we didn't really, you know what I mean? We're just kind of, 
were checked out with it, with baseball, when they had the strike. Like, when you get these labor disputes, no one really cares. Yeah, and I think everybody's comfortable knowing in the background that, you know, a lot of these people are, are making good wages, right? Like, if you're a Chiefs fan, uh, you're, you're completely fine with the idea that Patrick Mahomes uh, makes enough money that would make some country leaders blush, right? Um, you're, you're fine they gave with him that half occurring. a billion dollars. <laughs> right, right. You're, you're fine with that occurring in the background. It's, it's when all this stuff is brought right in front of your face and it's affecting the way the sport operates that I think it really disgusts people. Like, um, you know, that, that's one thing I always push back on fans when they said they don't like NIL. They're going to stop watching the games because of NIL. I, I, I call nonsense on that. Uh, I don't really know anyone who truly stopped watching the game because the, the left guard might be making $70,000. You don't know how much he's making. You don't really care how much he's making. You're not going to stop watching because the left guard's making $70,000. Um, but if, if your favorite team gets shifted into a new conference uh, because of money and has some of their rivalries end because of money, and now you don't even understand how the postseason works because the postseason has been tinkered around with so much because of money, that's the type of stuff that I do believe could affect interest in the sport. Again, I, I don't think you're going to care and stop watching because you know Johnny Football uh, is, is making some cash that he was already making under the table, and now it's a little bit less under the table. I don't buy that argument, but when it when it really starts to affect you, the, the sport and how it operates, the games your teams are playing, uh, how they get into the playoffs, whether you even understand how they get into the playoffs, I, I do think that can be a turnoff for fans. All right, so despite all that, Let's break down these college football playoffs. Well, uh, Blake, do you have the footnotes? Like that's the other thing. I feel like. Well, remember the first time you watched Game of Thrones, and you're like, I need, like, I need notes. Like, I need to. Who are these people? Like, that's what I feel like when every time I'm looking at one of these proposals, it's like, wait, what? Like, if this happens, then B happens, then therefore C happens. Like, what the hell, man? Well, here's the. That's a great. That's a great analogy because I had the advantage first time I watched Game of Thrones. No, 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 uh, I didn't read the books. I love to read, but those things sound like a chore. Um, but my wife had already seen the series uh, when I got on board. And so I did two things. One, I watched it with closed captions, which I watched almost everything I, I'm a with huge, closed I, I think I think Thrones is the show that's, I'm now, even in American shows, I'm I'm a closed caption guy. I am too. And, and people say like, ah, oh, it gives it away. But it's like you catch the jokes and you, yes, you follow it 100%. a lot better, I think. When the captions are on. So one, that was one advantage. I turned the captions on. And two, at any point where I needed a translation, I could just pause it, look to my wife and say, translate for me who these people are and, and what just happened. Here. Yes. And you're, and you're so right. Like, um, there's almost going to be need to be like a how-to guide. Uh, like, if some of this comes to pass. Now, I'm not convinced some of it will. You know, the, the phrase we, we heard from the new PAC-12 commissioner was uh, that this is in the infancy stages. Well, I, for one, hope some of these ideas stay in their infancy because of all the reasons we're discussing. But if some of this convoluted stuff comes to pass, I, I do think you're almost going to need to pause the game and look at your buddy next to him uh, at halftime and say, remind me again if we win what this means? <laughs> and, and I don't think that's, that's what we want, right? Um, or, or at least, I, I don't know, from, from where I sit, it's not a great system, and and I would like to see how this twelve team playoff works before we preemptively start changing the playoff. Because as we've discussed before, uh, you know, I, I really think this this twelve team playoff that we have for the next two years is going to be incredibly popular with fans. 
uh, and it's actually pretty easy to follow too. Well, and doesn't it? My problem with it is the whole this three three two two one format that's being proposed. Which was is that set, a defense? <laughs> be three big three Big Ten teams. I'm a four man three front SEC guy. Teams, I like to stop the run. Two ACC, two Big Twelve, one Group of Five, and then three at larges. But like brings a whole new definition. Doesn't We're it go be at the very core of the sport when you're? Predetermining what conferences essentially are better each season. I know, like, I, technically, yes, the SEC and the Big Ten, based on resources, should have the best leagues year in and year out. But, like, predetermining that without playing any games feels I, like yeah, you're stupid. So, you're so right. It, it's another thing that I think is, is, is threatening to turn off fans. Like, most fans, if they're being honest with themselves, they will admit that the SEC in most years is the best conference, and in a lot of years, the, the, the Big Ten, you know, maybe has a claim to be in number two, or at least is toward the top of the list. Um, and yet, they want to actually see it play out. They don't want it to be predetermined before the season ever starts, to your point, that, that the SEC is the best conference since they get all these bids. They want to have uh, the shot that Hey, if if my team plays your SEC team in non-conference, if I'm Wisconsin and Wisconsin beats Alabama uh, in, in week two of the season or whenever they play this year, Alabama is going to have no special preference to get into the playoffs because their conference gets more automatic bids than another conference. I guess that's a bad example because Wisconsin's in the Big Ten. But you get my point. Um, you're right. I, I just don't think that this, this flies in college sports. Uh, everybody knows you know, in the back of their minds that there are some superior conferences, but they still have to earn their way in. When you're preemptively doling out bids before the season starts, um, again, it really kind of flies in the face of of, uh, what I think a lot of people like about college sports. Well, and remember back when the biggest argument against a playoff with a devalue of the regular season, (laughs) pretty sure gift-wrapping three bids to the SEC and Big Ten is going to devalue those regular seasons a little bit. That's right, and, and why is it so important anyway? For like, and it kind of neuter completely neuters the championship game. Like those teams are already in the playoff. Yeah, particularly for the, well, the no. You saw the, Dellinger's Dellinger's report. They get rid of the no, championship ev- game. No, no, eventually the champ. If they if they were to adopt this format, oh, the championship the game, the championship game, would, game would no would be a battle for like in the SEC. Number three plays number four for that spot. Oh, so they wouldn't even. It's have not a even championship a championship game. game. It's a play-in game. It's a play-in. Ugh. Yeah, but so three plays four, but then the loser probably gets an at-large bid anyway. Like, again, <laughs> well, like that, but that was the other thing I was trying to figure out when Ross Ross mocked up the the what the playoff would have looked like. Like that's this is also a moment of this is a nice. You, everyone needs to take a step back and realize like where we are. When everyone was doing the infographic, if we had a 12-team playoff, this is what it looked like for the last three years. Yeah. When Ross tweeted out what the 14-team playoff would look like, and I'm sitting there going, like, wait, how is Oregon State in there? How like <laughs> Ole Miss, I think, was a top-10 team. They're not in there. Like I'm sitting there going, like, wait, what? How did this happen? Like That's not a good playoff. That should tell you right there that's not a good thing. No, and, and I don't know any, anyone who uh, is not responsible for looking out for these conferences. I don't know anyone who believes that the conference runner-up should get an automatic bid. I mean, yeah, there, there's been an idea for a while now in college sports that winning your conference championship should should mean something, and and that's why we have in the 12-team playoff, you know, five conference champions get automatic bids. I think a lot of people understand that. You spend the whole season playing, you know, 80% of your games 
75 percent of your games against conference opponents whoever wins the conference at the end gets a spot in the playoff no questions asked yeah okay makes sense right but now we're going to give out automatic bids to the, the team that didn't win the conference or the, or the third place team in the conference um it, it's just all very strange i also don't even understand why it's so important to the sec and the big 10 that they get three aqs apiece because come on if it's a 14 team playoff how often would they not get at least three bids anyway well the, the reporting suggests uh Petetti, uh went for four at first and that was that was considered egregious that was a great four for the big 10 and sec egregious you know this this good negotiating because he got it down to three which is still egregious but but this just i don't know blake i keep coming back to the same thought that you and i've talked about a couple of times this feels like the acc in particular and you know these other leagues that are not the big 10 and the sec man it feels like they're flirting with their own demise like i it, it clearly like they're trying they're doing with college what college administrators have done forever which is look out for number one and i don't think they're thinking about survival yeah and, and i've often put it look out for number one and don't step in number two i think this is a case where uh while in the midst of looking out for number one i mean they are knee deep in number two they, they've lost sight of, of of that second rule like while you're looking out for number one, don't don't step in the doo doo. Uh, they're they're knee deep in it right, right oh now. Oh my God, yes. And then I'm curious how they how they get out of it. Again, um, maybe I'm wrong on this, but I will take to the grave that the biggest threat to college sports is not nil. It's not even the transfers and, and the portal and all this stuff. The biggest threat to college sports are the ten individuals running the conferences. Those people are the biggest threat to college sports, and they have been for a very long time. Interesting. Well, wanted to switch beats here a little bit. You used to cover Tennessee, and I'm watching what's happened over the last week with Tennessee. Obviously, they, you know, they get, they get this NIL, uh, these NIL violations or alleged violations thrown at them by the NCAA. They take them to court. They get, um, they win in court, or at least they temporarily they got a TRO. Win. They got a temporary restraining order. A lot of people view it as, you know, like, this is like the first real devastate, you know, the I guess you would say first, the latest devastating blow to the NCAA amateurism model. Um, and then today, Adam Sparks over at the uh, Knoxville News Sentinel reports that um, that Tennessee has now, through a state law, I guess, um, that was approved um, on Friday... I guess it's not a state law. On Friday, the UT Board of Trustees approved the university's plan to create a nonprofit foundation that could quickly mobilize into a fund to pay salaries to athletes if the NCAA uh, takes that kind of next step that everyone thinks it needs to at this point and makes these athletes employees and ditches this amateurism model. Um, Could we remember Tennessee as kind of the... I'm not saying they are the at the core of who first challenged NCAA, but could Tennessee be remembered as like the institution slash football program that ultimately ended the NCAA's hold on college sports? Yeah, I, I think that's that's fair. Like if, if we're looking for the, the school that really landed a, a, a gut punch that, that uh, kind of broke through this amateurism model, I, I think – 
I think Tennessee stands pretty tall in there. Like the NCAA messed with the bull and got the horns in this situation. Like, I mean, for a decade, Tennessee deserved its its label of, of being a laughing stock. I mean, it, it self inflicted a lot of doom and gloom, uh, and then some you know some stuff from the outside too. I mean, it, it really it was it was a decade plus of of wandering through the desert. Um, and some self-induced dysfunction. But uh, they did get their leadership right within the last few years. They got a lot more competency running that university now. Um, and I think they're spending big on it, too. Uh, you mentioned Adam's reporting here. He, he's also reporting, uh, you know, the hundreds of thousands and millions of dollars that Tennessee has spent on two separate law firms to fight the NCAA. One of them, uh, <laughs> the price tag is up to like $2 million. Uh, the other one, uh, this is a high-powered firm that they engaged uh, just recently, and the NCAA spent over half a million dollars with that firm in just six weeks, month and a half. Well, and then, half and that's good dollars. work. And don't forget the yeah. amount. Remember we got, was it Ross, I think, also the, the report of how much money they spend on lobbying? And they got nothing. Right, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, so Tennessee is spending big. Um, they're, they're, they, they also have the politics in their camp, right? Um, I mean, their AG... Uh, has gone to bat for them successfully in, in this court injunction. And everybody's pretty aligned on that front, which is not something you could could say about Tennessee over the years. I mean, if you remember, uh, you know, when they tried to hire Shiano, the state politicians were throwing the university under the bus. I mean, they, they were openly speaking out uh, against the attempt to, to hire Greg Shiano. Uh, perhaps for good reason. <laughs> and, you know, I, I didn't think Shiano was a great hire. I don't think a lot of people handled the situation uh, in, in a, uh, a desirable manner. But, you know, this is a 180 now where, you know, just a few years ago, you had the politicians and the university officials, uh, you know, speaking different languages. Now they're in, in lockstep. Um, and and they, they, they certainly did land a, a big blow a lasting blow, I think, on the amateurism model for the NCAA. I mean, it was going to happen anyway. Someone mm-hmm. had to do it. Yeah. Someone was going to challenge these NIL rules for antitrust. Um, you know, Kavanaugh warned about that, the Supreme Court justice, three years ago, and, and Tennessee finally did it and, and was successful with it. The, the NCAA is almost like those, you know, like back, I don't know if they still do it, but back in the day, like for a big football game, you'd have the 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 car the beat up car that was painted the oh, color yeah. of the opposing team everyone's yeah. taking hitting it with a hammer Tennessee's the one who like did the devastating hit where like the door fell off you know or like the, you know the car finally completely comes apart bunch of people dented the thing and made it look like crap that's kind of where the NCA is dented and looks like crap uh, and maybe Tennessee's gonna be remember the one who like completely destroyed it. Yeah, that's right. It's sitting on a set of flats now, and then the smoke is fi- finally billowing out of the hood. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.
Starts now. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.